Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast, where today's hot topic is relief work. Should you do relief work? Should you hire a relief veterinarian? We're going to dig into all of that on this episode. And then Anne's going to share with us a teeny tiny little travel fail. I'm going to excitedly share a social media success win. Maria is going to share with us a, another great listener hack. So join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, we're more than 60% of the current workforce. But it's also apparent that we've been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making positive changes growth, compassion, and courage. Laugh with us, cry with us, celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine. All right. Well, ladies, thanks for joining me tonight and our our trusty traveler who is in the great <laughs> city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Woohoo! <laughs> live from her hotel room where she has a quiet environment. I'm not going to lie. I am slightly jealous of that. Welcome to the show tonight, ladies. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, we know that we've got a lot going on. Maria has not been feeling well. She's been hit hard with the respiratory crud. And, and probably adjusting to all of her travel stuff. So we will just get to it and uh, get into today's hot topic. So I wanted to bring this up because we have not ever brought in a relief veterinarian into our practice. We've talked about it multiple times. There's the three doctors, like I've mentioned before, in our practice are me, my husband, and then our other partner. And so, especially for him, when he, when my husband and I go on vacation or go do CE together, it really puts him in a bind because now he has to be the only doctor covering both of our buildings. And, you know, so we thought, gosh, it probably is a good idea to bring in maybe a relief vet during those times. But honestly, we don't know where to start. I don't know where, is there a place we can go where they're advertised? Uh, I don't know how to find out what to pay them other than just obviously asking them, but is there a way of knowing what, what average rates are for your area? Um, and I know that you have done relief work, Maria, I know you guys utilize a lot of relief vets. So I thought you ladies would be a great source of information for those who are like me, who want to possibly bring in some relief. Um, and maybe for those who are wanting to do some relief and kind of explore that aspect of everything. Uh, and since you are the one out of the three of us who has the most direct experience of being a relief veterinarian, uh, why don't you just tell us about your experience doing that? Yeah. So for me, it started during a time in my life where I was no longer a practice owner. I had three little kids at home. So committing to full-time vet work was really hard because, you know, three under three kind of cramps your style a little bit. And so for me, it was a good option. I knew a lot of the veterinarians and the veterinary practices in my area because I worked alongside them for a long time. And actually, I, I wasn't the one that thought of it. A professor from vet school actually called and was like, hey, you know so-and-so, he needs to go on vacation. You need to go fill in for him. 
And I was like, oh, well, okay, sounds good. And then one of my drug reps that I worked really closely with when I had the practice found out I was doing relief because I ran into him mm-hmm. doing relief. And he was like, oh, we joked that he was my pimp, essentially. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he would go around and be like, oh, you need to do relief. Like this girl can do mixed animal, which is a really hard oh, thing to yeah. find. Yeah. And a lot of the practices where I went, it was just going to be me. So they wanted somebody that could handle the large animal emergencies as well. That, so that's how I guess I started. Yeah. Um, and then from there, just word of mouth. I think though, there's quite a few websites and there's Facebook groups for both relief veterinarians and those looking for relief veterinarians. So I'll find you those links and we'll at least get them okay. in the show notes. And did you think when you were starting to become like a relief vet, did you update your resume and like pass it out to clinics or was it all just word of mouth for you? No, mine was all word of mouth. I did wind up sitting down after about the third practice. I did sit down and update my resume. Mm -hmm. But by that point in time, I knew enough people that word of mouth for me was stronger than a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So the recommendations I got after just doing like two or three clinics that that was worth more to people who are going to hire me than whatever I could write on a sheet of paper. So how did you like going into a different hospital and a different clinic every day, not knowing your staff and stuff like that? Did you feel like, Oh, I can go do my job and leave. I don't have to worry about it. Or is it something that you didn't enjoy? So for me, I really liked it. But I really like meeting new people. I really like learning new things. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was kind of selfish because <laughs> I got to go in and play kind of. I got to learn new techniques and new ways of doing things. And everybody's pharmacy is different. Yeah, so I, I got imagine. to really push the boundaries <laughs> of what I was comfortable with using I got to push the boundaries of what I was comfortable with trusting people I'd never met before. I don't know, just working with that many different people and then also meeting the client (laughs) and they were upset that I was not the regular dude. It's like, well, that's fine. I mean, you can go somewhere else, but I mean, I'm here. He obviously trusts me to be here for you. Let's roll with it. Did you do any sort of preliminary work before going into a practice for the first time as far as did you have a set of questions that you would ask or did you just kind of go in cold and not know what to expect? And just like you said, just sort of test the waters out when you got there or did you do any homework or like Facebook stalking or anything like that? Yeah. So the first clinic I ever relieved for, I knew the other owner. And so we Mm. had actually kind of passed some clients back and forth and I had already been to his practice. I already kind of knew him. So I felt like that relationship was already established as far as he went. I did go and hang out for like two or three hours one afternoon just to kind of get the flow Mm. of the practice to watch how he interacted and how he practiced in real life. Um, just to kind of get the feel for it. Mm-hmm. Other places I went, they would call me. I would call them back. We would visit over the phone. Mm-hmm. So my questions were, what hours do you need me there? I still had to leave at a certain time every day to pick up kids. Mm-hmm. But I did tell them, I'm like, when I'm there, I'll be there. Like if it's mm-hmm. from 730 to 430, I'm there. I'm yours. I'm not going to do anything else. I asked what kind of support staff I would have and mm-hmm. like the level of training of the support staff. Right. So I kind of knew. I also asked how they scheduled. Yeah. Most of them without my asking, but most would schedule kind of a light day. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of routine stuff. I think it would be the opposite. I think you'd want to put as many <laughs> routine things. as. But if you put too many routine things, you're not going to make the revenue 
for it to pay. Right. Or that is going to pop up and then yeah. now you're kind of backlogged. Right. And that was more it. Make it Mueller law <laughs> instead of Newton. If you have a relief bed, crap will hit the fan. Like guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed your day will not go as planned. Guaranteed we will have two to three to four to five. One day <laughs> we had six extra emergencies. Oh no. And so that's where, and then a lot of times too, they were really big that they wanted my chart finished before I went oh, home. Well, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes back to our medical records episodes. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of them too were like, I, I just want to make sure that you're done when you walk out the door. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really a law. Like, I don't know if I've ever relieved without a minimum of three to four emergencies in a day. How did you approach it if you got into a clinic and let's say that they, their style of practice, you know, maybe their pharmacy wasn't as well equipped and well stocked that you're used to, or they were possibly just had some policies that you didn't, I don't want to say weren't up to your standards, but maybe we're just different you know, than what you're used to sort of doing on a day-to-day basis. Did you talk about that with the support staff while you were there? Did you just kind of try to mimic what the existing culture was and go with it? Um, Obviously not compromising your professional morals or ethics in any way, but how did you deal with that? So for the most part, everybody that I relieved for like the first time, I just kind of tried to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. A couple of practices, I went back more than once Mm -hmm. Or like a couple of them, I wound up actually kind of doing one day a week. Mm -hmm. In those instances, the owners came to me and said, what do you want? What do you want that I don't have? Let me put it on the shelf for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even though I was only one day a week, even though I wasn't technically an employee, they still valued me being there and wanted to keep me happy. So that helped. Let's say that probably made it more enticing for you to keep going back with regularity. So Exactly. And then really a, most of their staffs were excited to have somebody new in. So <laughs> yeah. it was not that they didn't love their doc, but <laughs> I can behave a little bit differently, a little mm-hmm. bit more laid back. I don't have the same stresses that an owner does. So we had, I still try to make it a little bit fun for them selfishly because I wanted them to like me so I could come back. <laughs> Two. So it was fun for me though. Also, I don't remember what we were doing, but yeah, there was a technique that I was like, "Uh, I'm not super comfortable with that. So for while I'm here, can we please do it this way? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, again, maybe it's how I approached it. I didn't put it down. I didn't say it was bad. I didn't put any judgment on it. It was just, Oh, Hey, I do that totally differently. Let me show you how I do it. This is how I'm comfortable. Can we do it this way while I'm here? Yeah. No, I didn't really have any kickback from it. How did you know what to charge? So from being an owner, we had interviewed some relief vets. And so I kind of knew what going rate was in our area. Yeah. I also being a lot of the rural mixed animal practices I was at for relief, I knew what I could afford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of based it on that. Yeah. And it's a little bit more. So I know Maria, we were talking about it one day, you know, the amount a relief vet asks for a day is a lot more than what an associate would ask for yes. per day. Mm-hmm. But that's yes. because I carry my own licenses. Exactly. I carry my own insurance. I carry all of my own CE. I mean, I, it's all on me. Yeah. And DEA is holy cow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They don't have the employment tax with you either. So they're, I think they'll, dump that into the, what they pay you also. Yep. Exactly. What you're going to pay per day is going to vary. So I know in our area, small animal relief vets were 
couple hundred bucks more than the mixed animal relief vets just because they knew they could make more in a day. Right. Yeah. One practice I went to did pay me mileage, but I was driving an hour one way to get there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. They kicked in some money for mileage. I had another place that I went and I said, hello. And I really liked it. Oh, I did kind of a little shadow. And he was like, all right, well, how much did you say you charged today? And so I told him and he's like, is that what other people are paying you? And I was like, (laughs) yes. Like I was ready for a fight. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. I'm worth it. Like, like, I'll show up. I'm not going to piss off your staff. Like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, that's not enough. (laughs) And so he he paid me more. Oh, that's great. Good for him. (laughs) Good for him. So it was actually kind of nice. So so I think if you like going new places and learning new things and doing new stuff, I think Relief Mm -hmm. Vet is really, I think it's a fun job. Were you able to fill your schedule up or did you ever worry? I worked as much as I wanted. Yeah. And really, because it depended on days when I could get daycare, days when we weren't going to visit family, Mm -hmm. days I didn't have doctor's appointments for the girls. So really, they would call and say, hey, can you work these days? And I'd be like, yes or no. Yeah. That was it. How long did it take you to build your schedule when you first started? Because obviously not everybody's going to call you immediately the first day. How long did it take you to build it up to what you were comfortable with? probably six months, but really from the get-go, I was comfortable because I didn't really need to work at that point in time. That need for me had gone. And so it was really more a way for me to get out of the house, a good excuse to keep up my CE and my licenses, keep my foot in the door. And it was fun getting to see all the different practices and the practice styles and the teams and the cultures and the, you know, all that stuff. And that's kind of where my one of my passions lies is in that business aspect. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, it's great exposure, super awesome field day. Yeah. Why did you get out of it? Not what made you rephrase that. Doing relief work for the rural mixed animal guys. I love it. And it, or, and gals, <laughs> excuse me, for that group was awesome. I really like it right now at this phase in my life though. If a child is sick at daycare, mm-hmm. I am the one to go and get them. Yeah. Because normally they get sick at like 10 (laughs) a.m. Yeah. Never at a convenient time. (laughs) No. They don't get sick at 2 p.m. when Kirk could go get them. Yeah. They get sick at like 8.30 a.m. right after I dropped them off. Yeah. So for me, I I didn't feel like I was reliable because of the fact that three times in the two years, I had to look at somebody and say, I know you're gone on vacation and you are counting on me to be here but Mm. I have to go get my kid. Yeah, that's hard. That's got to be really tough. None of them were upset. They all understood. We made it work. Like a couple of times I'd go get a kid and then come back. Yeah. And that was fine. (laughs) Yeah. Then we planned a little better too. So if somebody was leaving for like a week or two at a time, my mom would come down and stay Mm -hmm. with the girls. Mm-hmm. So then that way I didn't have to worry. But take that pressure off. That may be a quick suggestion for me. If, and this is not our official hack of the, of the episode, but for those of you who are considering building a new practice or actually physically building a building or remodeling, one of the best things that we did in our building when we built it three years ago is we put in what we call the intern's room. It's like a little tiny little bedroom. You know, it's got a little twin bed. It's for people like interns or externs, you know, somewhere that they can stay works great as a sick kid room as well. (laughs) (gasps) That's genius. genius. It it has been, we've, I've used it multiple times when the school calls and Hey, there's a fever. Oh crap. And so, yeah, I just go run and grab them and no, but tuck them in, tuck them in bed, give them the tablet if they need some mild entertainment and 
and get done what I have to get done before I can get them home or do what I need to do. That's a great idea. And I, I think, it well, we haven't had it happen yet, but I think eventually it will happen where one of our team members is um, nursing or lactating. And so I think it right. could also be kind of a nursing or lactation room as well. So that would be awesome to get to have that privacy. That's not a bathroom. So, yeah. So anyway, I know we got off track there, but that just kind of triggered my yeah. thought process that for those who are considering it. Yeah. If you have just, it doesn't have to be big. I mean, just enough for like a little bed and just, we did a little trundle bed. So there's, you know, for the actual interns that do come, but, um, but yeah, consider just having a little spot because it will get more use than you might think. Back to your question, Maria, like for me, I could have filled up, I could have been busy all day, every day within within a year, probably. I turned down a lot just mm-hmm. because it didn't fit with what like our schedule or whatever else. So, wow. But yeah, but then that's why I stopped Yeah, that. And then the clinic I was at asked what they had to do to <laughs> not share me anymore. So, <laughs> But it is fun. And I think, I don't know, just some kind of thoughts were definitely do go in with the mindset of like, try not to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Like if you yeah. want to have a successful relief practice and then to also realize that you are going to cost them money. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was ever a day as a relief vet that I made them money. Right. I mean, I cost money and I'm expensive and I know it, but we tried to do other things. So like if it was randomly slow, we practiced placing catheters. <laughs> if it was not busy, we, you know, cleaned out exam rooms. So, yeah. you know, that list of annoying tasks that the owners always leave, no offense, <laughs> the owners always leave if you have a slow day that you yes we have we, like, we just were talking about this we have like a list that we've been generating mm-hmm. yep every clinic has it yeah every clinic i know this i would just be like all right guys where's your list let's crank some tunes let's get some things knocked off yeah. your list for this yeah. week and so which not my job again but i can't sit still so right i stock right. shelves well, that increases <laughs> your value too Exactly. And I think that's a good, that's a good point that you make Maria, you know, for those of us who haven't even, you know, maybe jumped in and hired the relief because we think, oh, it is, it's going to cost us money or let's just suffer through and not spend the extra money. But I think what we're learning is that the cost of doing that is actually, it may not be a, a true dollars and cents cost, but it is a morale cost. It is, um, an, a culture cost. It's an attitude cost. You know, the, the times I know that my team gets really stressed when my husband and I are both gone, not because our partner can't really handle it, but like you said, crap happens when we're, it is inevitable when you're down two thirds of your doctor force, that's when all, everything's going to go wrong that can. And it, and I think that sometimes they're just sort of just getting through and surviving and not the practice is not thriving in that scenario. So it probably is worth it to spend a few dollars and at least get enough appointments in to maybe even maybe come close to breaking even or not even, Mm -hmm. you know, because it it may be a small financial cost to save the morale and the, just the attitudes of those of the team and, and our partner or their doctors. And it even, and this is, I mean, maybe kind of a selfish thing to say, but for me leaving I would be able to enjoy it more knowing that the practice wasn't struggling in my absence and not have that mm-hmm. guilt of, yeah. Oh God, I'm gone. We're gone. You know, it's, I know this is putting so much stress on everybody that we're gone and 
you know, I think it would just be healthier in the long run, just to spend the money and yeah. keep everybody else at least above water. There are. So I have one relief vet at my practice. She comes once a week and she pays beyond herself. Like it is like she pays for herself and more. Awesome. Um, she's amazing, but she comes in, she gets all these, cr- I give her all the crazy surgeries. She spends all day in sur- like not all day. She spends till like three o'clock in surgery and like, she loves it. She comes in and like the staff loves her, the clients love her and she makes the environment so much better. But I use her as extra because I'm usually working that day and that way I can get the appointments in and she can get the surgeries in. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to make relief vets um, pay for themselves. It's just, I can completely understand being a relief vet and coming into a place and not under not knowing the staff and it's harder to jump into a surgery. Mm-hmm. So if like you stay there for a long time and you trust your staff, that's always a great way to really pay for yourself. And then you're actually worth so much more to, especially that one practice that you can actually get more money while you're there. Because look, I'm making you this much money with all the surgery, you know, and we can do all this stuff and I can still see people and I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great a great thing. We, I use a lot of relief vets as a, to back up, back me up because what happens is, is we get so busy. I'm turning pets away, like left and right, because I can't, you physically can't see anybody, but the not see anybody, but see everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, the way I do it, like I'll take on the brunt of the appointments, but then I have them to get to know the staff and I have like the same ones rotating through because then the clients could build the relationships with them and they work when they can. So that way when they're there, they're not as upset, but it's nice to know that when I'm gone, I can leave it in somebody's hands. Mm-hmm. I know the hospital's covered. I think next week I'm having two relief vets in one day and cause I'm not going to be there. And I know the hospital's covered. I don't have to worry about it. The clients know them. The staff loves them. And they come in. The one comes in every week. The other one comes in multiple times a month. I, I love utilizing relief vets. And, and they also bring in like, hey, do, let's talk about this case. Yeah. And they bring in so many different views that you don't typically do. So like you, you and you talk about how you can go into a practice and you're like, let's try it this way. And it's so nice to hear other people doing other things. And um, I love it. I love having them come in. But I will say, I know when you talked about it was word of mouth and um, there's websites by me. And I don't know if this is out by you guys. There's actually companies that hire veterinarians as relief vets. They pay them a salary. You tell them what days you want to work and they find you work. Mm-hmm. And even if they can't, if they can't find you work, they still pay you your salary. You get benefits. You get, huh. um, do you, they, the, it was crazy. Cause I've taught, I've spoken to them pre, um, previously, right. but, and my friend uses a couple of them. So for people that are looking, that can't find the veterinarians that are out there trying to get their names out there, both sides can really benefit from it because then you can, I don't know if they pay for licensing, but that's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff off of you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I think that's what's really becoming more beautiful about our profession is that there are so many options out there. You know, I think it's, we're starting to learn that we can get away from this very classical traditional model 
of practice where it's the grind, it's eight to five or later in many, many cases, every single day at Saturdays that, you know, we're becoming a lot more creative with how to work together and piece together these schedules that, you know, they may not look like the traditional, but if our mental health is better for it on all sides, if we are working the hours that we want to work, and that is also, and this is key, getting us paid what we want to get paid, because those two things do have to go hand in hand. But I think it is, it's that time where we need to be thinking outside the box, where we need to be trying to accommodate, but not, sometimes I think, we go, oh, I don't want to make any accommodations because that may be lessening my standards, but it's not that. It's we need to accommodate each other so that we can be better, that we can exceed in just a different way, you know, and that let's use the tools that we have. And if I think for a lot of women, especially, and I don't want to make this an overgeneralization or any sort of stereotype in any way whatsoever, but women are having children. <laughs> I mean, that there's that, that's the biology of it. And that does require us to be more flexible and, and not just motherhood for lots of different reasons. But, you know, I think that is a big reason that I've heard a lot of women go into relief work because they do need some, some flexibility. They want to work. They want to be present with their families. That is one way to do it. I think we should be embracing more of this type of thing and finding ways to make it work for, for everybody involved. I've even had relief that's like what happened with you and they've come to me and they said, I love what this practice is. And they've wanted to, they were, they're thinking about signing on and I'm committing. very excited. Yes. <laughs> I'm like committing. You want to make that sign on the dotted <laughs> lines for me and seeing like what, the practices, a lot of times you can get veterinarians that way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I love, I love the fact that there are relief vets out there just to offer people the support that they need, whether it's that you're on vacation, whether it's to see the extra appointments. Or maternity leaves or maternity, you know, yeah, family exactly. leaves, medical leaves, that kind of thing. All of that. That's amazing. And the vets that I use, they say, I have to leave by this time to pick up my kid not a problem. Or I have to come in late because I have to drop them off at this time. Fine. That's great. Cause you're, you're helping me out. I think it's great. I had one that I used to work with and years ago when I was like thinking about doing relief work on top of my job, he told me, and the reason I asked you about your resume Anne, is he told me to update my resume, make a cover letter, and actually mail it out to vet clinics. And mm-hmm. Melissa, as an owner, if you got something like that, is that something that you would take to heart? Yeah. Three or four years ago, maybe not, because we were still in this sort of mental block of we don't need the help, which was dumb. But now, for sure, I know of a couple in our area that are doing it. And so, yeah, if somebody said, Hey, have you ever considered relief? Just so you know, if you ever need me, here I am, here's what I can offer. And then I may not necessarily act on it right away, but I can literally file that away and be like, okay, I know who I can call to when I need that person rather than like for right now, I'm like, okay, I know of this person and maybe this person, but what if they're already busy now? What am I going to do? So when I was an owner, we had a file because we had five different relief vets send us their resume and cover letter. Mm -hmm. So, Anne, I have a question for you. Mm. What's your mileage to go from Idaho to Kansas for relief work? (laughs) 
<laughs> more than one bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> we have a great little intern's room you could stay in. <laughs> Yay! As long as I'm by myself, I'm in. <laughs> you might have to check on a dog on fluids or something, but <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, I, I think you make a great point, Melissa, that we sometimes as owners think we don't need it. We don't need it. We don't mm. need it. But just sometimes having that extra set of hands whether or not they're making you hand over fist and money. Right. It's, it's just so nice for your well-being. It's so nice for your partner's well-being who's stuck at home. I will say, and you know, Maria's point of, I did like places that I relieved at frequently or you know, a couple of times a year or whatever, the clients got to know me. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of fun because they would show up and be like, oh, who's here today? Oh, it's Dr. Annie. Oh, great. I haven't seen her in a while. Like, this would be awesome to catch up. Yeah. Oh, great. That means Dr. Smith is finally right. going to go on that vacation that he's been wanting to do. And so, like, it actually, mm-hmm. as clients got used to it, they were, like, excited to see me. And then they were excited that the owner got to mm-hmm. go on vacation because they knew how hard he'd been working or she'd been working. Well, and I was just actually getting ready to ask about that. I was going to ask Maria, you know, since you you guys utilize a lot of relief vets, do you do anything specifically to ahead of time with clients? I mean, I know it's hard ahead of time, really, because you don't know when they're always going to come in. Uh, but explaining you know, so-and-so is going to be here or, you know, maybe for us, it might be a little bit different because we are a small town and we have a really consistent clientele, you know, putting on our Facebook or something, or even on our practice website that says, Hey, you know, just do you know what to expect? We're going to have Dr. Annie in reliefing for us. Here's a little bit about her or just because right now I think we do fall into that. We, we hate to almost admit that we're gone on vacation because we feel guilty about it. And our clients might be disappointed that they can't have their pet seen or, you know, there's just sort of that inconvenience factor for everything, but that is encouraging. And to hear you say that the clients actually embraced it and Maria, mm-hmm. it sounds like they embrace it at your practice as well, yeah. th- that it is not such a scary thing to sort of turn over the reins to somebody else. And, you know, if you do it the right way, making sure whoever's in there matches how you want to practice. We don't do anything different. We, the only thing we do is when they make the appointment, we tell them who they're going to be with. We don't know who they're going to be with. Or a lot of times it doesn't show up in the computer, the right, the right name. They'll say, you're going to be seeing our relief at the clients have taken pretty well. And I've gotten a couple complaints when like for, I called out because my kid was sick and he was throwing up in the daycare parking lot, like stuff like that (laughs) has happened. Yeah. But like, and people have complained about that. And, you know, I call them when I get in the next day and I say, I'm very sorry. I apologize for the inconvenience that you had to see another doctor. And this is why. Yeah. And it's like a lot of the times they're very understanding when it's a last minute thing, but when they make the appointment, we make sure this is who you're seeing they are a relief vet or they are from such and such practice, you know, and when they say, well, can I trust them? And they're like, Dr. Botinez will not let them come if she doesn't trust their ability. So you should fully be able to trust them. And I think that's something that, you know, I've only been at this practice for two years, but the clients know me and they come see me and they trust me. And I think if I trust the person, majority of the time, they'll trust them too. Yeah. Not, not all the time. It's, you always have the couple. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I would agree with you on that, Maria, for sure. And then also too, as you come back more and more, 
then the staff is like, oh yeah, Dr. Annie's here. She's awesome. We really mm-hmm. like her. Yeah. You know, Dr. Mm-hmm. Smith really likes her. Like you, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. In our small town, they'd walk in and be like, who are you? <laughs> I, who are you married to? I, who's your parents? Cause I don't recognize you. <laughs> Yeah, cause some, sometimes the um, dating pool is fairly small in a small town. And so when there's, you know, somebody new, they're like, oh, wait, I've got a brother. I've got a son. <laughs> it's because it's a puddle. It's not yeah. a pool. It's a puddle. <laughs> so what I, my take homes from this is one, as an owner, don't hesitate to seek relief help because it can Yes, there's going to be exceptions. I'm sure there are some train wrecks that have happened and maybe on Instagram or somebody or somewhere people can maybe share us some, I don't know, lessons learned, I guess, from <laughs> maybe not so great experiences, but I, it sounds like really it, it can be done well and it can be a huge asset to any practice. Uh, and one thing that I think I gained from what you were saying is it, as an owner, it would be a good practice for me to talk with the relief vet ahead of time and ask them, what do you need? What, what can we provide for you to make it a a more comfortable day for you? And I think to making your expectations known to them, Mm -hmm. what do you want them to do? Right. Cause I would always ask that question. Like, what do you, what is your goal for me while I'm here? And a lot of times they were like, uh, be a relief fit. And I'm like, okay, so then my <laughs> goals are don't piss off your right. staff and yeah, don't burn down the building. Perfect. <laughs> Hired. <laughs> and literally that's what it was. And really most of them would come back with, yeah, if you can't piss off, like if you could not piss off the staff, that would be best. I don't even care if you burn down the building. Don't piss off my staff. So then, so then my other take home then would be for those of you considering doing relief work, make that one of your goals is to ease the transition in and not piss off the staff. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah. So find out what they need, communicate your expectations, prepare your team for the fact that there's going to be somebody new. They're probably going to do things differently. That is okay. Go with the flow. I, one thing I did pick up on, there was a thread about some relief work and there did seem to be some frustrations for those doing a lot of relief work that they were kind of butting heads with some of the support team. And it was, oh, that's not how doc would do it. You know, kind of some of that undermining. And I can see how that would be very frustrating as a relief vet to be faced with that. So as an owner, I think that falls on you to prepare your team and say, look, it's okay that they do things differently. And we want them to feel welcome. We want them to continue to help us out. So go with it. You know, it's fine. They can do things differently. And, and we are in support of learning new ways. And I don't know, maybe I was concerned that we would have to prepare our clients, but it doesn't sound like maybe we need to do a whole heck of a lot or be too, con- be overly scared about that, that generally clients are pretty receptive to it. And it's all about communication, like almost every single thing else in life. I have a horror story. When I was a practice manager years, years, years ago, before I became a vet, my owner went on vacation and I had a relief vet there that wanted to remove a dewclaw with lidocaine. No sedation. Nope. So I did stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think 
your support staff, although should not be like, well, that's not how they do it. But when they're going to cause danger to the pet, I do think that is appropriate. Give them some guidelines for, okay, here's our hard stop. Yes. (laughs) This is it. So I stopped at that, that that was never invited back to the practice. No, no, for, so personally, this has been very educational. This was a real life. This was question. This was a real life question that I had. These are not, this was not like staged for the episode because I really, truly wanted to, to talk about this. And I know this is becoming kind of a growing thing uh, for a lot of people kind of looking into it. So thanks for all of your insights. This has been super helpful. Well, let's move on to our hack. And once again, this comes from one of our amazing listeners. Uh, I've been told that this one is from Lindsay Durr. So Maria, can you share with us Lindsay's hack? Absolutely. So Lindsay's hack is using an old IV line and you're going to cut it to make ET tube ties so it doesn't slip or loosen for moisture, which it works very well. So thank you, Lindsay. I will be getting in contact with you to send you one of our awesome stickers. And I can personally attest because this is how we secure all of our ET tubes. We we cut the IV tubing. I don't know about you guys, but I we take the um the part the end part of the like a mm-hmm. or TB syringe, the one cc syringe, cut off that very bottom weight. We kind of plunge it there. And use that as our stay amazingly well. So yes, if you haven't done this already, do it. It's the easiest, fastest, cheapest way. Works so much better than gauze. Get rid of the gauze. Oh, I hate the gauze. Get rid of the gauze. <laughs> All right. Well, Anne, let's hear your your travel fail because it's happened to you literally minutes before we started recording. <laughs> I flew to Vegas and forgot my toothpaste. So for those of you who may or may not have been sitting in a conference room with Anne nearby her, we apologize <laughs> profusely. No, I flew in this morning. So I brushed from this morning. So we apologize tomorrow. <laughs> She's going to buy a lot of breath mints. I'll say this. If you call the hotel front desk, they probably have toothpaste downstairs. That's what I figured. I figured when we we're done recording, I'd go on a journey and find toothpaste. You're right. I should probably just call. You could go to the hotel gift shop and pay like $18 for a tube of toothpaste too, I'm sure. And then they'll charge the $18 to your room. <laughs> uh, this has happened to me before too. And I, because I think like you mentioned, a lot of times my husband and I share the same little travel tube of toothpaste and we usually travel together. And then the times when we don't travel together, I'm like, crap, I forgot to grab my own toothpaste. So I have been in your same situation. So I am going to share my win and you guys will all be so happy to know that since we posted an episode or two ago about my little intervention and my, um, struggling social media skills that I am on Instagram. I am at Melissa Lindy BM. I have posted a story or two. Um, I've not gotten really good about the hashtags yet. Still working on that, but I'm there and I have, let me look yes. as, let me look at see how many followers I have. Let me look here. I've got a couple, some of them. I, don't, I can't pronounce their names. I don't think they're real. Some of them are bots. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody has them. Are you ready for this drum roll? 44 followers. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice three posts. Yeah. yeah. Nice work. So Keep for those of on, you, <laughs> so for those of you who have followed me, thank you so much. I'm trying to follow everybody back. I don't, is that what I'm supposed to do? Is that, is that protocol? Do you do that? If you, if you're interested in their page, why right. If they're, if, if I can tell they're, they're real people, first of all, that's don't gonna... follow the boss. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Thank you all for so far for following. Please keep giving me the hashtag suggestions. I know I need to work on that. And once again, thank you to my co-hosts for caring enough about me to, <laughs> to break me out of my mold and bring me to the Instagram life. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? Then visit our website at dvmdivas.com. Or find us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Just look for at DVM Divas. We can also be reached by email at admin at dvmdivas.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. And while you're at it, rate, review, and share. Your online love really does help. And tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope.